you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which this morning will be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 4, 11. Text reads this way. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art. We thank Thee, O Lord, that Thou hast blessed this day with health, hast blessed it with freedom. Lord, we ask now that You would bless it with Thy presence, that You would be pleased to fill this place with Thyself, Lord, as we endeavor this morning to open thy word, we pray, O Lord, that thou would begin with us, that you would draw us, draw our souls to thy feet to be instructed. Father, may you rid us of all the things that are going on in this world and bring our minds captive unto thee, that we may be instructed of thee. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in this hour Thy name would be lifted up above all other names. For truly, Lord, Thou art worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text in 2 Corinthians 4, 11 once again reads this way. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. No, for the last, I don't know how many weeks, y'all have heard us stand up here and say that we live in very troublesome times. And that these times, I think we all, and part of us anyway, is looking for things to get better. And it seems like every day that we live, um, if we read the headlines and if we trust the media, which I know those words don't go together, shouldn't, in a child of God's life, but if we hear these things and see these things, we start to see that things aren't getting better. And um, it could be fearful. It could be uh, very heavy. And I thought about that deeply in the last week or so about why that heaviness is. As I see the headlines and I see what goes on in this world and I see death. Death is all around. Every day we, we see the headlines, we see that there's more death. There's more death. There's more death. And then, as we see the things that have broken out in our land, the child of God sees death. It's just very burdensome, very cumbersome, very heavy to the soul. And as I read the, the text this morning, it struck me what the Lord gave to Paul, what he said here, the we being the children of God, that we're always, and, and first it says we who are living, the living in Christ. We're always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And I think our notions of death have always been that finality in life. And we quickly, our mind runs to that when we see death and we think, oh, that's the final part for our life here, which is so foreign to the Word of God, that's not the case. Um, I think it was Joseph Irons that said, 
And all the sermons that he preached, and I read a great deal of them, blessed by many of them. He said the, the best and most profitable doctrine he ever spoke to his congregation was that of death. And death is a sober reality. But to, this morning, I don't want to talk to you about the finality of life being death where we pass into the next life. Because our text isn't talking about that. It's talking about what Paul said later in this letter. He said, I die daily. Paul said in another place, I'm in death, deaths oft, often. And yes, he was afflicted mightily. And yes, he was in shipwreck. And yes, he was in many perils in his life. But Paul speaks about something deeper, a deeper death, if you will. A death that, uh, that, that is needful for the child of God. And when we see that terminology in our text this morning, we which live are always delivered unto death. It gives us insight of the design of death in the child of God's life. And death is needful. To die daily, Jesus said, to take up our cross daily and follow him. The way of the cross is being conformed to his image, but it is dying with him. When he died here on earth, he died to everything. He died to man's attempts to sway him. He died at man's ridicule. He died at the world's allurements. He died to everything. And his death is a picture of life to the child of God. Because we too must die to self. And we must die to the world. And we must die to all of the, the fears. And we must die to all of the things that cause us in our minds to be taken from Christ. That is the necessary death that the child of God goes through. Paul said it this way. He said, we're always delivered to that death. But he tells us why. It's for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. And I know that as we talk about death and, and our minds are so fixated on the last time we take a breath in this life, the child of God is robbed of the beauty of death if that's all he sees. The beauty of death that leads to life. Paul wrote in Romans 8.36, as it is written, as he quoted David in Psalm 44, he says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. There is a death that must take place in this life. It is a death spiritual to those things that would hinder our spiritual growth. It is a death to those things that grab on to us as we're trying to fly up to heaven, as we're trying to fly up to where Christ is. These things grab onto our feet and grab onto our legs and pull us back down to the earth. And they pull the soul back down to the weightiness of life. And that's why when we see more COVID deaths and when we see more unrest in this land and we see things looking like they're not ever going to turn back to where they were six months ago or a year ago, 
We get a heaviness in us because of the ties that we have in this life. And as they are removed, and as it looks like we're not going to enjoy those things anymore, we become very burdened. And it's a necessity of burden. That's what I want you to understand this morning. Don't think you're weird. Don't think that it means you don't love the Lord when you're asking the Lord, do you care? As Martha cared. Do you care, Lord, that I'm cumbered by myself? Do you care, Lord, that my sister's not helping me out? And we think of those things, and as good religionists, we crawl and go back to, oh, I can't say that to God. I can't tell him, I can't ask him if he cares, because that's going to tell him that I don't believe. We don't believe. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We believe in the doctrine. We believe in Christ saving to the uttermost. But we must be killed and mortified every day to unbelief. Mortification is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. To die is to be mortified by Christ to this life, to this world, to the things in this life that, that grab on to us. So, in preparation this morning, I want to back up a couple of verses to verse 7. As we read down to 11, where our text is in 2 Corinthians 4, we have some familiar ground. In verse 7 it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's talking about the face of Jesus Christ that's mentioned in 6. It's talking about Christ, the hope of glory. That is the treasure that we have in our bodies. In this earthen vessel that we live in. We have a treasure. If we're a child of God. We have a treasure that lives within us. It's Christ in us. The hope of glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? Paul tells us why God has manifested. And designed it this way. That the excellency of the power. May be of God and not of us. To Him be all glory. To Him be all power. It is not, this is where true godliness is. is in the power, resting in the power of Christ. That's where true godliness is. There's no mixture. There's no creature mixture with what Christ has done. What Christ is doing. What Christ will do. It is a form of godliness to deny the power of Christ that lives within us. It is a form of godliness to say that what we have to do, what we have to apply, what we have to do to make God happy or to please God. It's either all of Him or it's nothing for the child of God. Because when they're left to themselves, they explore the depths of what they can do for God. And they're brought all the way to sit at His feet to say, Lord, I'm an unprofitable servant. I've done everything that I know of that I possibly can do. But yet I'm still warring. I'm still a sinner. I'm still one burdened every day. I still have the sentence of death in myself. I still look at the life and I get burdened. Why is that? And our text tells us today it's a necessary design of grace. is to reveal we are dying 
Not only physically, we all can attest to that as we see our bodies breaking down. We're dying to this world. I wonder for you, I know it is for me, but I wonder sometimes when you're reading and you're scanning through the headlines or you're sitting in front of the TV and it's telling, do you ever get that cumbersome feeling that you just cry out to the Lord, Lord, I'd much rather be with you than to be here struggling with this every day, that heaviness, you're oppressed. We're going to see that today. The one who was oppressed that was called and he said, Lord, undertake for me. But there was a process to get him there. There's a process for you and I. Our text tells us today that we're delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul said it this way too in 1 Corinthians 2, 5. He said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what living in Christ is. It stands in the power of God and His faith. His faith to reveal it in the time that He sees fit. That's what living faith is. Living faith isn't something we can exercise. Because we have a deadness and we're continuously dying. That's why faith isn't needed anymore in heaven. There won't be a need for faith. There'll be no dying part. There'll be no sin. We'll see him as he is. We'll be revealed the glory of the Lord 24-7 if there's even time there, which I doubt. Time is how we measure things. Our Lord is not measured in time. Paul said we are troubled on every side. Do you feel it? Do you feel it today? Do you feel troubled on every side? But he said we're not distressed, which means we're not without hope. That hope is Christ in us, the anchor of our soul. We are troubled on every side. Dear ones, it's okay to be troubled on every side. The Bible tells us we will be troubled on every side. If you're not bubbly every day, if you're burdened by life, it's by design. That's what grace does. It reveals to us our necessity for Christ. And in doing so, it shows us our disdain for the things on this earth. But we have to be shown that. We must be mortified. We must be stripped. That's why we're troubled on every side. But we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair because of Him, because of Christ, the hope of glory. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're persecuted for Christ's sake, but not forsaken because He was forsaken. You and I will never be forsaken. He bore our sins. He bore the wrath for those. He paid the debt. That's what we sang this morning. Jesus paid it all. He paid every debt the child of God has. And as we're mortified, as we're shown death in this life, it magnifies the life of Christ in us. It magnifies who Jesus is to us. 
without death there's no life. Jesus said that unless the corn, the grain of corn fall to the ground and die, it's not going to bring forth fruit. You and I must die daily to bring forth the fruit of Christ. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Always. There's that word again. I use that word a lot. My wife calls me on it sometimes. I'll say, oh, you're always that way. Oh, am I always that way? No, you're not. No, you're not. We use that as a flippant term. We use it like to say continually. It's always. Things seem to be continually this way. There's a continual burden here. No, there's not. But there are, when the Word of God says, we're always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. You know what that is? That's resurrection life. Always bearing about the death of Christ. That's what He quickens to us. The death of Christ. That Christ died and lived, that you and I die and live in Christ. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? Do you notice how Paul always explains himself? He doesn't leave you there to go, well, why is that? He tells us why. So the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's resurrection life. Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The fellowship of his sufferings is what he brings us into to conform us to his death because we die daily. And that's the question this morning. As you examine yourself as much as you can, you can't without the Holy Spirit, Truly. But as we examine ourselves, that's the question. Do you find yourself dying to this dying world? Or do you find your life reaching after this dying world, hoping it stops dying to replace those that, that hole you have in yourself? I need the world to stop dying so I can get back to the way things were, what I used to have. The, the, the freedoms I had. Well, you're not dying daily to this world then. You're not dying daily to the allurements of it. And then we come to our text. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And we'll take this in two parts. The first part, for we live... For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And I've said enough about that this morning that I think we understand the tenor of where we're going. We which live are always delivered unto death. You may not realize it. You may not, you may not understand that's God's purpose in our life. To die to this world. This isn't heaven. We're strangers and pilgrims on this in this earth. Do you sometimes feel like you're so, so knee deep sunk down into it that you just don't know how life would be if you didn't have these things or the people in this world? Oh, if I lost this person next to me, my life would be over. Well, you're not dying to the world. 
You're not dying to those things that Jesus said He came to put variance in. That He came to say, follow Me. That in Me is life. Turn with me a minute. We'll go to three places this morning. We're going to start in Colossians 3. Beginning of Colossians 3. I think we, uh, we've been here many times. I remember a couple years ago when the Lord laid upon my heart to preach from this section, 3, 1 through 3. He impressed upon me 3. Verse 3 always came first. And it's true. That's what Paul's telling us today. Verse 3 says, You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. But listen to how it way. He says, If you be risen with Christ. Well, we must have died if we've been risen with Christ. That's the question. What did you die to? Have you died to the world? Have you died to earthly things? Have you died to earthly relationships? Are you dying to them? I guess that's a better question because Paul said he died daily. Are you dying to them? If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Above what? Above this earth. Above the knowledge of you and I. Above the realm of humanity. Above this realm that we live in down here. If you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God as our intercessor, as our mediator, as our Joseph who opens the storehouses with faith and joy and peace and love and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness. These are the fruit of Christ's Spirit. These are the things that He opens the storehouses for his children. These are the things that wean us. Because if you do experience the peace of Christ. You will understand it far greater than any peace you've ever understood in your life. If you experience the love of Christ. You will know it's a far greater sacrificial love. Than ever you've enjoyed in this life by any person. Everything in him is purity. The gifts and everything that flows from Christ is pure, not tainted like our gifts toward one another. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. And then our point here, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You see that? It says you're dead. There's a part of you that's dying every day. There's a part of you that is dead. That's never going to live. That's that old nature. I hope it's dying every day in us. I hope it's being mortified in us every day. Christ does that. He increases that we decrease. He mortifies. He comes. He lops off. Without me, you can do nothing. And does that make us just that vessel that sits back and says, oh, okay, then I just sit here and wait for Christ to do it. No, it's a living life. It's a living faith. We're exercised. When the Lord says, come away from the world, guess what? We're walking away from the world. When the Lord says, meet me in the word, come here, we come to the word and we say, Lord, reveal thyself. When the Lord says, go into the closet to pray, he brings us in there on our knees to pray. It's not a formalized prayer. 
It's not a, oh, let me lay out what's going on in the world. It's from the soul. He intercedes for us. He is our life in us. And that may bother you this morning. It may burden you from the sense of, well, then what do I do? Dear ones, we rest as the Lord brings us to rest in what He's done. Rest. Rest in His finished work. When Christ, verse 4, when Christ who is our life, is He our life? He shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And then He goes into mortification. Why? Because of Christ's life in the soul. That's what's mortified. Christ is raised up and the, the mortification of the body and all of the things that raise up against Christ, He puts them down. He is faithful who has called us because He will do it. That's our promise. I told you we'd go to this one and we're going to go there now. If you turn with me over to Isaiah 30, 38. This passage has always been a favorite of mine. I guess I should say only since the Lord revealed Himself to me. Has it been that way? It certainly hadn't been that way in my entire life. But what the Lord's grace and depth did for Hezekiah. Hezekiah was sick. And Hezekiah was pronounced that it was time to put his affairs in order, his house in order. He was going to die. Hezekiah cried out to the Lord. And, um, and the Lord spared him 15 more years. And... Um, in that sparing of 15 more years, and that's what happens in the first part of this text, uh, chapter 38 all the way down to 8, we pick it up in 9, which tells us what's going on in Hezekiah while this is going on. That's one of the most blessed things that the Holy Spirit preserved for us. He tells us what happened in 1 through 8. He tells us what Hezekiah went through. And then he tells us the depth of what it meant to his soul. See, we, you know, in early in our religious life, we were so mesmerized by the truths and the doctrines, we thought that was it, you know, that that's it. That's what the Word of God has. Oh, look, there's life. Oh, look, it's grace on Hezekiah. Oh, look, it's mercy. But there's so much more. And what I mean, there's so much more depth in what the Word of God says for our souls. What is grace to the soul? What is mercy to the soul? What is going on in the inner man? That's what this dying thing is. This, this dying thing, it, it's going on in the soul. Are you dying? Look at verse 9. The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. This is what he wrote afterwards. I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. This is when he was pronounced dead. He was going to die. Death has been pronounced. This is spiritual. This is experiential. This is what goes on in the soul. This is what mortification is. I am deprived of the residue of my years. Now notice when this killing is taking place and when this, remember how we started this, looking at what's going on in the world, there's a reason we're feeling very cumbered about it. There's a reason we're burdened by it. 
There's a reason. Why is that? It's by design. It's the design of grace. That's what's going on in Hezekiah. He looks at the pronouncement and he says, oh, woe is me. I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm deprived of the residue of my years. It seems so hopeless to me. I said I shall not see the Lord. Even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall, Where are you, Lord? That's what we talked about. That's what Martha said. Where are you? Do you not care? That's what Hezekiah said. I said I won't see the Lord. Even the Lord in the land of the living. I won't experience the Lord that way. That's what that heaviness does to us on a daily basis. It's so burdensome. We think, will the Lord ever reveal Himself again? Will, it, will, he ever, will He ever lift me out of this? Doctrinally, we know He will. But while we're in the midst of this experientially living it, we don't see that. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a weaver my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness. From day, even tonight, will thou make an end of me? Is this it, Lord? Is my physical life coming to an end? And notice what he said. As his physical life was coming to an end, he wouldn't see Christ anymore. He couldn't see the life after. He couldn't see grace. He couldn't see heaven. Everything he saw was death. And we say, oh, poor Hezekiah. I, that would be horrible if I saw life that way. Well, if you're a child of God, you will see life that way. Because we must die to life here, physical life here. We must die to those things that we latch on to here. That's what's happening in him. I reckon till morning that as a lion, so will he break all my bones. From day, even tonight, will thou make an end of me, Lord? Is this it? Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I did mourn as a dove. Mine eyes fell with looking upward. I'm, I'm looking, Lord. I know it's right to look upward. But then the Lord brings his soul to these words. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. I am pushed down. I am, I am squashed under this weight of sin, this weight of life, this weight of the way the world is. Have you felt it? Lord, I'm oppressed. Undertake for me. All that that came forward was everything he could do. He could see, I'm being stripped of this. I'm being stripped of power. I'm being stripped of a form of godliness. I'm being stripped of all of these things. I have nothing. Lord, undertake for me. This is the depth of grace in the soul. To strip us of those things that we think are life. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me. I love this next point. He hath both spoken unto me and himself hath done it. He's brought to the end of himself and he sees Christ as the himself. 
Himself has done it. He has stripped me. He has brought me here. He said, I must die to this that I must live unto Him. That's what life is in Christ. That's what, and Paul said this, this was daily. This wasn't one time. This isn't regeneration. This is a child of God who's oppressed, who's been brought to cry out to his Lord because he does have life. He does have the hope, the anchor of his soul. And he cries out, Lord, undertake for me. What shall I say? He's both spoken unto me. He's spoken that I'll have life. He's spoken that I have life in him. He himself has done it. And I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. What? Your soul still has bitterness? Yes. That is our lot here in this life. All of our days, there will be a warfare. There will be a warfare. But praise God, he's won the war. You may think battles are lost. That's fine. He's faithful. You think you've lost the battle. Hezekiah thought he lost the battle. But Christ won the battle. The battle is his. That's what he reveals to the child of God. I fought for you. I carried you. I, go, I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. Oh Lord, by these things men live. By what you've done, by yourself. That's how men live. And in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. Lord, you've made me to live. That's, do you hear the soul exclaiming Christ? Do you hear him crying out for a savior? Well, if you don't yet. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. Still bitter, but has peace. Has this warfare going on. But thou hast in love to my soul. Don't miss those words. In love to my soul. Oh Lord, do you not care? Yes, Martha. Mary has chosen the one thing needful. I'm going to reveal to you the one thing needful. You know why? Because I love your soul. I died for it. Thou hast, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. That's where our soul is when it's in this world, when it's encumbered with this world, and everything we see is death in this world. He is the deliverer. And how does he do it? For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Jesus paid it all. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus stood in my place. Jesus was the propitiation. Jesus reconciled me to the Father. Jesus gave me life. Jesus brought me from death. Jesus died and lived that I die and I live. You have cast all my sins behind thy back. You know, you dwell on your sin all you want. He's cast it behind his back. He's put it away. Father will never see it. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. 
I want you to understand that today. It is a necessity for us to die to self. But in that death, it will not celebrate the life of Christ. That's what the life of Christ does. He celebrates what He has done. It's all of Him. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for Thy truth. The living, the living, He shall praise Thee as I do this day. The Father to the children shall make known Thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Praise Him. Deliverance. And when the Lord delivers the soul, we praise Him. When the Lord delivers us from death over and over, we praise Him. Because that's where life is. That's where true life is. Oh, we get encumbered with daily life. Believe me, I do. Polluted by it every day feel like every day, there's parts of the days it just seems like so much death. It's true. There is death all around. And there's life in Christ. He brings life out of death as only He can. None of these wood gods, none of these statues, none of these things could ever do it. Let's go back to our text. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Did you see it? Did you see it was for Christ's sake? Did you see that Christ is the end of the deliverance? Do you see that we're always that way to be conformed to Christ? Then the last part of our text, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Isn't that what happened with Hezekiah? The life of Christ was manifested in him. He praised God. I have life now. My spirit is lifted up. I see him. I didn't see him earlier. Isn't that what the bride said in Song of Solomon when the Lord was hidden in our slothfulness? And then they went out in the street and said, Oh, have you seen my beloved? And oh, what a testimony when the Lord brought us to him. Oh, he's altogether lovely. Altogether. That the life also of Christ might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Turn with me over two pages. Just back backwards to 2 Corinthians 1. Last place we'll go. Let's just start in 8. We'll read 8, 9, and 10. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. And we were pressed out of measure. Understand that. He's in the same place as Hezekiah. Paul's in the same place. Say, oh no, it's a physical. Well, Hezekiah's was physical. You saw today it was spiritual. Paul's was physical. You'll see that most of the time it goes hand in hand. When the affliction comes, it's a physical affliction that the, that the soul is what the Lord is working, what the Lord is manifesting Himself to. We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Do you feel it? Do you feel that at times? Do you feel as we live in this year, 2020, and everything going on, that sometimes do you despair of life? 
pressed out of measure. But why? But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That sentence of death is necessary. That sentence of death, the Lord says, you will have death in yourself. Death to this world. Death to self. Death to all of those things, as we talked about a month ago, the lady in the water pot. She had to die. That water pot had to be left. You and I have to leave our water pots. You say, well, how can I do that? Oh, no, no, no. That's what he does. That's what he does. He's faithful to conform us to his image. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves. What do we do every day? We trust in ourselves. We trust in our hands to make us things. We trust in our feet to get us to where we're going. We trust in our intellect to do the things that we do in this life. Every day we trust to ourselves. So why do we have the sentence of death in ourselves? So we don't trust ourselves. You say, well, wait a minute, I do trust myself. Exactly my point. That's why we have the sentence of death in ourselves. Daily. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raised the dead. Resurrection life. In God who gives us life. That's, that's the reason for the sentence of death in ourselves. But that's not all. One more verse. Who delivered, delivered us from so great a death. Delivered. That's his work on the cross. That's what he's done from eternity. He delivered us from so great a death. Oh, and he does deliver. He doth deliver today. He shows us that same finished work because we have the sentence of death in ourselves today. He, has, he shows us the same answer. is Christ's resurrection life. Christ has paid the debt. Christ is life. Christ is all you need. That's what he shows us. He showed it yesterday. He showed it to us today. And guess what? In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. That's according to the faithfulness of Christ. To always deliver us in the days to come. Why? Because we'll have the sentence of death in ourselves. That's what our text tells us today. If you go back to our text now. As we get close to finishing here. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Paul said in, Hebrew, in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That inner man is what's talked about here. In ten in our body and in our mortal flesh. That's in the inner man. We know Christ does not reveal himself in our physical body. It's full of sin. The life of Christ. Continual. That's what we just read in, in, second, in chapter 1. Paul said in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth. Yesterday, today, and forever. To make intercession for them. He ever liveth. He is the Lord reigning. 
He is the Lord reigning over death. But dear ones, death is a necessity to die to this life, to be conformed to his image. So I think I forgot that text. It's Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among, among many brethren. Conform us, Lord, as only thou can. Dear Heavenly Father, add thy clarity and thy power for thy name's sake and reveal to us, Lord, the necessity of death and life in thy son. For this I ask in Jesus' name.